and welcome to The Animated Journey, a podcast featuring interviews with animation professionals working in television, film, and games. I'm your host, Angela Ensminger, and I'm very happy today to bring you my guest, Alex Kwan. Alex is a storyboard artist at Titmouse for the Emmy Award-winning show Nico and the Sword of Light. Prior to working as a storyboard artist, Alex worked for several years as an animator at companies such as Soup to Nuts, where she worked on Word Girl, for Titmouse, where she worked on Motor City and China, Illinois, and she also did some freelance for Mino Monsters, which you may remember from a previous episode with Margie Bordner. I know that all of you are going to really enjoy hearing what Alex has to say. We had a very fun interview. She is a font of knowledge, super fun. You guys are gonna love hearing what she has to say today. So without further ado, I present episode 27, interview with Alex Kwan, part one. Hello, Alex, how are you doing today? I am great. <laughs> Very good. Thank you so much for coming on the show. This is This is really fun. I'm really glad I get to talk with you today. And yeah. so I always like to start off just asking people where they're from and how they got started. So where are you from? Where I'm from a place called Peekskill in New York, which is like about an hour north of New York City. And uh, that's where I grew up from all elementary into high school. Oh, excellent. And what was it about animation that made you realize, oh my gosh, this is what I want to do. I need to be involved with this. <laughs> well, I have um, the lineage from two, oh, was it? I had two Chinese grandparents that came over from mainland China. And I used to be babysat by them a lot. And because I didn't speak Chinese and because they didn't speak English, there was this huge language barrier. So a lot of the times when uh, me and my cousins were being babysat, it was like, let's put some cartoons on. <laughs> and that's how we would bond with my grandparents, because that's like the only thing between us that we could both understand at the same time. So it was like a lot of like recorded uh, Disney cartoons and some Looney Tunes. It was one of those things where it's like, you know, I could not understand the joke if it was being said, but I could see it if it was being acted out on the screen. And a lot of like television at the time, like live action television, didn't really illustrate that it was very dialogue heavy. So kind of missed the point, missed Mark with my uh, grandparents. But actually, it's kind of funny. I remember this episode with the moment that it kind of hit me that this is a wonderful way to communicate with people was when my grandma was watching this episode of The Simpsons where Homer is in a fire, but he's asleep in the fire. And my, uh, what is it? I think Flanders comes and like rescues him by, uh, he's on the second floor. He throws the mattress out the window and then he throws Homer out the window but he bounces on the mattress back into the fire. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the first floor of the fire. And my grandma lost it. And like, it was just like a moment of just like, you know, like if you told that story, obviously she's not going to get it. But by illustrating it, it was a good way to just connect with her and see what kind of jokes she liked. She also liked all that sort of like a slapstick comedy. So, but yeah. And so from that, the root of your interest in animation and comedy was born. That's really cool that 
that's how you were able to connect with your family too. Yeah, there's just like that's how you could get stories across between just not having a language attachment. I kind of regret not learning Chinese, but it's good to be able to like draw pictures of a kid and like show it to my grandparents and stuff. That's excellent. That's that's very good. And it's never too late to learn. I'm trying to uh sidebar here, but I'm trying to learn Korean because I have a good friend that moved back to Korea and I told her I want to come and visit you, but I want to know the language because yeah. <laughs> her grandparents and her parents don't know English, mm. which, you know, makes sense. They live in Korea. Why would they need to unless they really wanted to learn it? So I want right. to learn Korean so I can go and speak with her family. That's awesome. I went to Japan earlier this year and like actually got to, I had the wonderful opportunity to meet with a bunch of really awesome Japanese animation directors and uh, <laughs> between my bad Japanese and like, their cobbled together English and a lot of alcohol we were able to <laughs> become friends <laughs> so, it brings down. people together yeah. it's like hey we can just sit and hang out and drink and talk and we know cartoons this will totally work out now we're best friends yeah exactly well, we'll get back to your trip about in Japan, because that sounds really <laughs> neat. So what was it? I've, I've talked to quite a few people where, you know, when you're little, you're just watching cartoons and thinking, oh, that's funny. And then there comes this moment where you realize that actual people are the ones responsible for this. And then there's the moment of realization where you go, wait, if people are doing this, that means I could be doing this. I <laughs> yeah. want to do this. So did yeah. did that happen with you as well? I think... This is going to sound, this is not exactly like the ah moment for me. Instead, it was like I was looking at colleges and I knew I wanted to get into some sort of storytelling art. But at the time, I was very interested in School of Visual Arts in Manhattan, SVA, uh, but it was one of those things where trying to figure out if I wanted what like what path of storytelling I was interested in so there were several degrees that I could get one of them was I was looking into illustration and then I was looking into computer art and then I was also looking into animation and actually the reason that I got into animation was one I have a really huge love with animation in general just from like any number of cartoons but like the reason why I chose it was actually because I was like, I don't think I have the artistic skill to do illustra illustrative work in a storytelling way like anybody that I know. Or I'm not very good with computers, <laughs> as illustrated by my computer problem from earlier. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yes, so I think animation was one of those things where I wasn't entirely sure. I kind of fell into it, but... Like having that experience with my grandparents and then having that experience with, you know, seeing cartoons and falling in love with cartoons is just like, that was kind of the reason why I thought, well, maybe why don't I give this a shot? And then it's interesting. I didn't really think I was going to go into animation, but then when I got into it, I was like, I made the right decision. <laughs> and it was constantly just trying to like, what up myself every single day. So was your focus 2D then? Yes. <laughs> That's really cool. And I want to ask you about this because, 
you know, a lot of people feel like, oh, 2D is dead, but there's a lot of shows still being done in 2D and Titmouse, where you're at now, you know, they do their animation in-house and there's a lot of video games companies that do 2D animation. But at the time when, you know, you were in school and I was in school, that wasn't necessarily the case. So (laughs) what was it that where you were like, you know what, I'm going to do 2D anyway, even though... I know that, you know, feature in the U.S. at least is out and it may be on the outs with television as well. So you're asking me, why did I decide 2D over? Yeah, as as a career choice. I mean, was it I really love it and I want to learn it? I don't care what happens. I'll just figure it out. Or were there other factors that went into it? I think, (laughs) once again, this isn't really like an awe factor. It was, it's mostly like I had such trouble working a computer. <laughs> so it's like, I don't think that this is a good idea for me to do. Which is funny because like going into 2D, I became better with computers because like there's a lot of, you know, uh, digital animation that you're doing. With getting into 2D, I did enjoy drawing with a pencil. I think generally that is more comfortable for a lot of artists to be able to draw with a pencil rather than like, trying to like because you know with 3d there's so many things that you have to do and like trying to find your focus in that is like another guess of what do you think you're best at so i I think for me i chose 2d just because it was was really more within my wheelhouse at the time being fresh out of high school kind of thing okay that makes a lot of sense and you said that you went to school of visual arts yeah (laughs) very good yeah i know a couple people that went there yeah i I liked that school it's funny because like i'm sure a lot of people have had this experience going to an art school and then leaving and then finding that a lot of people didn't really enjoy it or they felt like they didn't get you know because art school is god-awful expensive not feeling like they got the sort of education that they felt they deserved with the amount of money that was spent with it but I felt pretty good about it. <laughs> if I didn't go to SVA, I know for a fact that I would not have gotten my internship, which launched me into the rest of my career. But as far as like learning basics and things like that, it was it was good. It wasn't, I don't know, sometimes I look at the amount of skill that people put in to like their thesis films or like in their assignments or exercises. And I'm just like, I am not there. <laughs> Even in my career now, I am not there. <laughs> But I think that's just determination over whether or not a school is able to give you that. Yeah, I'm of uh, two minds with school. I don't like the cost. I don't like the cost. of. (laughs) I don't like how much any colleges cost, not just art school. But I I really, the the cost of it, I I look at my student loans and go, ah, that's painful. Let's, uh, yeah, let's try to tackle that one day at a time here. But on the other hand, it does provide discipline. You know, you do get discipline and you learn about a lot of artists that you might not have known about otherwise. And you meet Absolutely. a lot of people that you wouldn't have met otherwise from a lot of different places. And you're exposed to a lot of different things. And yes, I mean, now it is possible to do online schools or online classes or Tumblr, Instagram or whatnot. <laughs> but, you know, depending on when you went to school, that either wasn't available or sometimes a class setting can be good. So I think it just depends on the person. It really depends on the person. I think for me, I need the extra push and I need the person to tell me if I'm doing something in the right direction or if there's a better way to do something that I would be doing on my own and 
racking my brain over. So like, for instance, you just mentioned online classes. I just recently finished a class with Steve on. I did that last year, I think like in August. So that's like, I don't know, how many months ago? <laughs> Half a year ago, I guess. And when I did that class, it was for storyboarding, but the type of storyboarding that he was teaching was specific to cinematic storytelling, which I never got in college. And it could be that I didn't really actively pursue it in college. I wasn't really sure college brain. <laughs> I'm just like, I'll do everything, whatever. It wasn't really as focused. But then having taken that class with Steve, I think that actually gave me the sort of focus that I was looking for in terms of how to do storytelling in a cinematic fashion. And then actually, I think that's what helped me get my storyboarding job now. Because if I didn't know the sorts of tips and tricks that he taught and the basics that he, the foundations that he taught, it's just then I, I would have been completely lost on how to do my job currently. <laughs> that's good. And I like what you said about you kept learning and you kept going. Because I know the problem that I faced, and I know a lot of other people face this too, was this thought of, oh, I'm going to go to school. And then after I graduate, I will be completely 100% equipped for everything. And I'll just know how everything is done. And then I'll <laughs> be able to get a job and we'll be finished. And I realized very quickly, oh, that is silly. That is it's not how hard. it works at all. You You are never going to know the compendium of all human knowledge there is to know about art. It's just not yeah. going to happen. I think I look at it because my mom is a physician assistant. And in order to maintain your medical license, you have to do a bunch of conferences to maintain your knowledge. And I kind of look at it like that, where it's just like if a doctor has to go and like brush up on the latest technology or the basic new like new things that happen in like understanding health and the human body. I feel like I'm going to need to do that with art. <laughs> so I, this isn't the first online class that I've taken in order to like kind of reset my, I guess, my focus on like what, what it means to tell a story. Before this, I took, before Steve Ahn's class, I took a thing with Motivarty, which unfortunately is going to be gone after this year, I believe, which is sad. I really like them, but it's like a mentorship and I had one with Corey Godby for illustration because, as you remember, when I was trying to look into like schools, I was interested in illustration in terms of storytelling and composition, but I never really got that being an animation. So I thought I could have that with Corey, who is like a hero of mine. But yeah, just like brushing up on your skills, trying to get like a new perspective from like somebody else who's in another part of your industry and then learning what they do to to get where they are completely different path you just like learn about that's what i look for that's really smart and speaking of paths i want to ask you now so you're in school and you said that you got an internship and that propelled you into your career now what was the internship and how did you get it <laughs> that internship was actually another thing that just kind of kind of fell on me I was in, I think I was in my sophomore year of college, and I just happened to be one of the few people that was in a room that the internship, uh, I feel bad, I forgot her name, but like she was a person that maintained the uh, equipment area for the animation hall, and she kind of 
swung in the door frame and was just like, does anybody want an internship? Oh my gosh, that's, <laughs> yeah. that is the best story ever. You were in a room and someone just said, free internships, free internships here. Yeah. Who wants an internship? You there, you look yeah. like you need one. It was, yeah, it was like, everybody wants an internship. It's like, all right, wow, yeah, I'll great. take it. But it was one of those things too, where it's just like, you know, you had to go on an interview or whatever. And I just happened to be picked, but I was happy to be picked. <laughs> but it was with a small company called world leaders entertainment which is better known for doing venture brothers um, oh wow i love Venture yeah. Brothers. yeah oh yeah that's it. it was like what i'm gonna be what i'm gonna be interning on what but it was different than that like the internship was because they were doing other projects at the time i think my first focus i did the internship for like three years but i did it like you know only during school time and only i think two days a week. I forget. I forget how long it was, but coming in and then they had me do lip sync and they had me do cleaning up props. I actually had, that was where I got my breakout moment was like, I think in my third year of doing it was they were doing cleanup props, I believe for Venture Brothers season three. I might be wrong on that. I have my, my memory's not great, but it was the prop that it was like an exploded car. And I'm not going to say, because I don't know if anybody watched it, <laughs> but there's a car that explodes and it's a really big deal. But they gave me the prop and it was kind of not tight. So I had to look up car parts and then kind of draw them free will and just do them on my own. And uh, that was the prop that got the designer who was just like, who did this? And it's like, that's me. <laughs> and then it was just like, one of those things that my producer took notice of that. And then that's how I maintained that connection with getting into Titmouse later. Yeah. <laughs> that's internships. So, wow. See that? But you know, you were in the room. Someone was there. You volunteered. Yeah. You went on the interview. You got, I mean, that that's a great story. It's, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, like I said, it fell on me. So I was just like, I will take this. It is on me now. I will try to do this, take it as far as I can. And I mean, you didn't just settle with what it looked like. In your mind, you're going, well, I can make this better. And that's a really important thing, too. The idea of how can you improve on what you're given so that it can be the best? Because other people might just say, oh, it's just a car, whatever. I'm tired. I yeah. need to go home. I need to do my homework. I'm hungry. Here, have mm -hmm. a car. And you were like, no, I can make this look really nice. I Yeah, that's actually what I was... Yeah, in, in terms of trying to understand what it means to be an artist in this field, it's kind of like being in that internship for like two years before. I think most of it was just as you said, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I'm clearly going to trust the person that just gave this to me and just do whatever. But then there's that moment where you're just like, this could be, I think I know what he was going for. And I'm not going to like, what is it, verbatim draw the rough that he did, because that's clearly not what he wants. But that moment of just, I think I know what he wants, is when I realized like, that's where you start inserting your artistic talent from you in that sort of pipeline. That's really smart. So then how did that lead to Titmouse? Because you said you got noticed by the producer. Did the producer later go to Titmouse or how yeah. did that happen? Well, I didn't get into Titmouse until I think like 2011. And so my first, 
my internship was, I graduated in 2008, so it's those three years before that. But that time frame between, that's when the recession hit. <laughs> so mm. I didn't really have a job instantly. I had a, um, well, uh, I'm sorry, that's a lie. <laughs> I got a job. <laughs> when I graduated, I got a job at this little this little show. It's not really, I guess it's a company. I don't know now, but it was Word World. And it's this little preschool show that was done in 3D. But I was like a junior storyboard artist slash production assistant. They made that job for me because I tested for the storyboarding position and they were like, oh, we gave this to somebody else. But then they called me like a week later and they were like, we made a new job and we were wondering if you wouldn't mind doing two of these things at the same time. And I was like, hell yeah, give me that. <laughs> wow. That, see, that's pretty fancy. They're like, hey, we really like her. Let's just make a job for her. Yeah. Well, it was like a bunch of like young kids had tried out for the job, but you know, they're going to give it to the guy that has the most experience. And I am so happy that they saw some sort of potential in my test enough to bring me back to do partial production work, partial uh, junior storyboard revisionist. So that was kind of nice. <laughs> it's conveniently, I, I met somebody there that is, I'm now currently working with in storyboards. But to go back to the Titmouse, War Leaders Entertainment closed up and then was kind of taken over by Titmouse, which just had opened a studio there. And I'm not exactly sure what the appeal was. There were some sort of mishaps happening, I guess, at World Leaders Entertainment and how it was led and stuff like that, which is just like it seemed more favorable to go to Titmouse when they started. And then at that time, I had done my job at World Leaders Entertainment. And then I'm sorry, I did my job at Word World and then recession hit, lost my job. Had to move to a new city. I moved to Boston. That's where I met Margie. Um, oh, yeah. And I worked at Soup to Nuts for two years and learned how to animate for the first time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. She was mentioning that, too, because Margie had talked about how she thought she knew how to animate until she went to a radical axis yeah. and then realized, I don't know how to animate. And then she really learned how to animate. Yeah. <laughs> and then she went to Word Girl thinking, well, now I know how to animate. And then she's like, oh, wait, no, I need to relearn this, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember I listened to her interview and I was just like, oh, my God, she had the same realization that I did. And Margie was actually the person that kind of took me under her wing and taught me pretty much everything that I know in terms of Flash. So I was just like so thankful that like I got to meet her and then I got to keep my job at Soup to Nuts not knowing how to animate in Flash like hardly at all. So was it one of those things where they just really needed animators and they liked how you were able to draw and your drive or did you know enough to be able to get in the door and then you were like okay now that I'm here oh, I need for, to stay here. For Soup to Nuts. Mm -hmm. Okay so how that worked out I in between jobs I was doing QA for harmonics it was just like, you know, I got to play games all day, which every QA person will say that's not how it works. Anyway, so <laughs> I took a test for animation and storyboards because they had two tests available and I'm gung-ho not having a job was like, yeah, give me both. <laughs> I'll try them and see how it works. But with animation, it was short little test. Had to do pose to pose for one character talking and... I think that in combination with my demo reel and 
possibly my resume was just enough stuff to get me in. <laughs> like the bare minimum stuff to get me in. Because I definitely did not know Flash. I was not very good at it. I think I just like hand drew everything. I didn't understand symbols or anything like that. Wow. Okay. But then once you were there, you're like, okay, I'm here. I'm going <laughs> to stay here. If they ask yeah. me to do something, the answer is yes. And I'm going to go home and figure it out. Oh, they were like, lots of late nights lots of bringing my work home and like trying to do some extra work on it you know when you start a new job it's just I have no idea what I'm doing I'm <laughs> I have conned my way to this position somehow <laughs> and it's a lot of uh, I don't know just put in the extra hours to really just sort of adjust to it I, I remember reading some article a long time ago saying that when you start a new job add two extra hours into it to really adjust to it and I was just like I am doing that <laughs> a lot just to make sure that I kind of got it it was a kind of it was a hard process and you know something so simple where it's just like you graduate from school you have the basics but then I went and did the job and I'm learning a new program so I kind of realized after the fact that I forgot a lot of the basics so having Margie there being like professional in animation because <laughs> at that point the point that I met her was when she finally had gotten into the groove of how to animate for soup to nuts that said, she looked at my stuff while I was working on it. And I was like, can you help me? Like, it's not looking right. I don't know what to do. Can you give me a critique? And she's like, well, the first thing you have to do is animate with arcs. And I was like, how could I forget the most basic thing? <laughs> it was just, it was a realization on my part. It's just like, I have forgot everything that I had learned up until this point. <laughs> But it comes back. It comes back. And, you know, you need the experience. You need the time to kind of adjust and learn your spot. So That's true. I, what you said about fundamentals is so true because I'm experiencing that right <laughs> now, actually, you know, because I've been, you know, taking tests and applying for jobs and mm -hmm. going back and realizing, you know what I need to work on? Anatomy and perspective. Right. <laughs> Just yeah. the basic things of how to draw. And I'm like, mm. oh, my gosh. Okay, well fine Let, let's let's do this where are those andrew loomis books okay yes <laughs> all of those <laughs> it's like oh what do you mean i have to draw this thing wrapping around a shape it was like how could i have been so stupid i am so sorry i wasted your time <laughs> yeah so it's it never goes away <laughs> so like now it's like oh this oh this never goes away it'll be like this for the rest of my career yeah. okay let's just accept that now and move forward oh i did that with this current job, because now I started doing storyboards with Titmouse, and I, the first thing I forgot was jump cuts. And I submitted a jump cut, and I was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like, I knew something was wrong there, but I wasn't quite sure what it was. I was like, oh, it's a jump cut. Good job. I was like, ah, basic. You should just tell them. It's like, you know, I'm trying to, you know, you remember Frankenstein? Lovely <laughs> universal monster movie. We're going for that effect, right? And they're like, um, <laughs> no. No, we're not. Sorry. This is about... <laughs> little boy <laughs> not little boy and a sword and, and his, his little furry friend all right yeah. so you're at soup to nuts being a rock star you, you're getting things figured out margie's schooling you it's going okay so then what led you then to say all right ready for the next job or the next opportunity you know what's a really good fuel for finding a new job is impending unemployment <laughs> so it was one of those things where it was like they were not sure if they were going to be renewed for a season, in which case a lot of people were going to be like losing their jobs. And I, having experienced that with Word World and 
them being like, it was my first job. I had been there for six months at Word World and they kind of put us all in a room and they said, listen, um, you ran out of money and some of you are going to be, yeah, some of you are leaving today and some of you are leaving in two weeks. And I happened to be the one of the lucky people that was leaving in two weeks but I cried <laughs> on my day. It was because like I couldn't, I was like overwhelmed. I was like, oh my God, is this, is this the end of the end? And like, I had people come up to me. It was just like, don't worry. This is, this is normal. This happens pretty commonly actually. And hearing all sorts of horror stories didn't really make me feel better, but it definitely made me feel like I wasn't alone. <laughs> That's um, good. Oh my gosh. They just pulled you in a room and said, so we're hemorrhaging <laughs> cash. Yes. Farewell. Like what? <laughs> It was just, don't hit your butt on the way out the door or anything like that. I was like, okay, gee. But with, um, that was one of those things where I was just like, I have scars. I'm going to look for a job now. And that's where the internship that I took actually came into play. It was because my producer there, his name was Petey. He became the production, Mr. Production Man for Titmouse in uh, New York. So he was looking for animators for a show called Motor City. And he was just like, hey, really? Another thing where it just kind of like fell in my lap. He asked me if I was looking for work. And I was like, yes. (laughs) How did you know that I was looking for work? So I contacted him and then uh, we got got a test and I got the job for Motor City. And I left soup for that because I was very interested in that sort of... The thing about the way that Motor City looks is that it looks like it has really, really cinematic angles in it. And Word World, I I mean, Word Girl, I liked, but it was very flat. So it was just like kind of like character walks in, character emotes a bit, and then character leaves. But it's always mid-shot and flat. But with something like... Motor City, there was up shots, down shots, long forward perspective, and just all this crazy stuff that I never really got to do with Word Girl. So I was like, taking that test, I was like, yes, I would like to learn more of this. <laughs> but they, it worked out, so I, I happened to get that. And being from New York, it wasn't so bad to move from Boston back to New York. That is really cool. And Wow. So so he just happened. How did he know that you did no he know idea. that you needed a job? Or was it just like, hey, I haven't talked to Alex in a while. Let me see what's up. I think it was one of those things. I, I honestly couldn't tell you why. I don't know if it was just friends of friends told me that PD's looking for work, uh, people to work for animation or any number of things. But it was just one of us got in contact with each other. And it was just this really wonderful serendipitous moment. Just <laughs> we both need each other. So uh, let's make this work. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool so what was it like then since motor city i mean that is a really gorgeous show what was the learning curve like going from a show like word girl which is really fun but like you said you know very flat and they definitely have their own type of style with that to going to this that's like really actiony i guess if i'm going to explain it it's kind of like you have word girl and word girl has I don't know, this is, this is going to only make sense to flashy animators that are listening to this, but she had 12 heads, so which means that she had 12 different angles for her heads. Motor City had this wonderful plug-in that they've created called Facinator, which is an amazing name for something that has 
260 something frames of different head angles and so like I feel like I didn't really often have to draw the head anymore but I had to choose the angle and it was it was like oh this is like next level flash right here the learning curve was very hard but it was again one of those things where it's just like let me just like work extra hours just to kind of like maintain keeping up with the pace of everybody else and in fact I think my supervisors at the time weren't exactly sure if I was getting it. And then the owner of the company, Chris P, happened to sit in on one of the dailies. Like my first month there was really hard and all the stuff that I was doing was all these cheap, flashy tricks that you can kind of spot if it doesn't look like it is hand-drawn. It looks like it's a little bit puppety. So I did a lot of that in my first month and I tried to kick that habit as hard as possible and tried to do more like hand-drawn look. And my supervisors weren't entirely sure that I was getting it until Chris P sat in one of my dailies. And that was my breakout moment where I had a scene with a guy that was articulating his fingers and being like, he's a he's a character called the Duke and he's voiced by D. Snyder from, I think, Twisted Sister. <laughs> <laughs> so trying to animate that guy. <laughs> Submitted that scene and he loved it. So that was the moment where I was just like, I think I, think I finally get it. <laughs> Like, I get the character now. I get how to animate. <laughs> but yeah, that's... I guess that's what you were asking about the learning curve. Is it took me yeah, like that, about... Yeah, that, like that, that's, that's exactly, because I've never animated in Flash. But <laughs> I know people. I know a lot of people that do animate in Flash. And I know a lot of people that just animate in general. And when, like what you said, when you're going from one show that's more of like a sitcom-style show to one that's definitely more of an action show, you just yeah. imagine that there's got to be a lot of different moving parts going on there that you have yeah. to figure out so you remember you saying that like one of the one of the basics that you kind of forget if you're not like exercising that part of your brain is that perspective mm-hmm. is a huge key when animating so especially with something like that i never had to do that with word girl the closest i had to perspective was that she flew at the screen and you know what do you do you just you just size up the head <laughs> that's like that's it <laughs> done perspective met but with Motor City, it was just, you have to do shoes in perspective. It's like, oh, uh, how do I do this? And like having wonderful teachings of Mike Roush and Allison Craig, who are the supervisors on that show, they taught me things like making a grid. <laughs> so to try and figure out how big things move in perspective and such. That was, that was really cool. So... I know there's a lot of fans of Motor City out there. I know that it was it was on for a season and the people were really sad, you know, when it went off because I, I personally I haven't seen it, but I know people who've seen it and they love it. And they're just like, this show was the best. So I don't even know. how was it when it ended? And then how how does that work when you're at a studio and the show ends? And then do you get to request the next show that you're on or do they just say, Alex, we want you to go over here? It's a bit of a mix. <laughs> This is is a little bit of like merit and a little bit of politics. So when it comes to picking the next show, if you are an artist, you can voice to your producer that you're very interested in this show. But as far as it goes for producers, I feel like it's kind of like an intense game of picking who's going to play on your dodgeball team. So it's just, you're just like, I really, you can't put all your strongest animators on to one project. I mean, you could, but it should be a short project because then you want to be able to put them on other things. So for instance, with Motor City, 
I had the choice of going on to a show called Super Jail, and then I had the choice of going on to a show called China, Illinois. So mm-hmm. when I was on Motor City, I actually did double time, and I worked on Super Jail because I really wanted to learn that kind of animation, which is a very, like, it's weird. It's like, it's it's hard to explain. It's not It's not flat, but it's not volumetric. It's a very crazy looking show. There's always something moving. It's a lot of frame count for that kind of a show. And I was very interested in that style. So I happened to do that at the same time that I was working on Motor City. That was a very hellish (laughs) six months or so. But then after that, it turned out that even when I had worked on Super Jail, I wasn't slated to stay on it. So then when Motor City was, it was over, there wasn't really enough shows for everybody to work on. And so there was this impending hiatus. And that's where Margie, who was working at Mino Monsters at the time, got me my small freelance gig there in San Francisco with her. But in terms of just trying to get the next job, you can voice your opinion, but it also comes down to skill and whether or not they need your skills for that project. Very good. Yeah. And I remember when you came down, because I, I got to meet you that one that's time when I you met, came down. Yeah. And, yeah, that's how we met. And you were there, was it three months that you were down there? Yeah. Or out there, I should say. Mm-hmm. They were working on a trailer for Mino Monsters, and it was great for me because I had worked with cinematic angles already animating on that. So you look at the iPhone game, it does have a minor amount of perspective work in it, but it's not as much as saying have like a low Dutch angle on any number of your shots or all independent of each other. They're not the same format, you know, you're fighting or whatever animations that you have. And I've seen that trailer, and it is a very good trailer. It's very, very fun to watch. Everybody was awesome on it. I was very happy with it when it came out. I got to do a little bit of the comp work on it, and that was nice. Basically, everything I learned at Titmouse, I got to use on that trailer. Hey, there you go. It's like a test of just, what have I learned so far? Here you go. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, go forth and make great things. Yeah, I love that. I love places that will let you just kind of, I don't know, feel it out and do your thing. Yeah. And speaking of going to different places, because I know this is a question that students in particular will have, but mm. other people too are going from studio to studio. How do you adjust to different studio environments? Because most artists, unless you're working at a giant studio for years and years, are going to be going from one to the other. Mm. So how do you adjust to different styles of shows or well, not just different styles of shows, but just different personalities, different attitudes, and working on different teams. I seek out the strongest animator, and then I punch them in the face. It's prison. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like in prison. So you're just like, I'm going to take down the alpha, and then I'm the alpha, and now we're done. Yeah, that's how you do it. (laughs) I'm not really sure. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, students, this is just going to like... Yeah, seek out the best (laughs) artists in your class, and then punch them into submission. (laughs) You are... Claim your supremacy. I think okay. with that, hmm, it's kind of hard because I would never, with the exception of Soup to Nuts, I don't think that I had an experience where I didn't know anybody. So like when you're in an industry, it's just you network pretty commonly. It's not very hard. I'm, and I'm also not exactly a shy person. <laughs> I don't mind 
going and finding the strongest data meter and punching them in the face. But it's one of those things where I know that when you start a new job, it's like there's a small adjustment period of just like, I don't understand the style. I don't understand the pipeline. And I'm going to have to learn that. And it can be anywhere from one month to three months, depending on the project and just like your tenacity with it. I think that's why when looking at portfolios, it is really good to see if they have actual life drawing skills. I mean, it's good that you can hit like a certain style or whatever, but being able to do life drawing skills is one of those things where it's like you can use it for everything. Can you draw Can you draw the back in a perspective? It's, it's foreshortened at you. Then you can probably do that with any number of characters just following the stylistic guidelines. That is good to know. Yes. Yeah, so, so no punching required. Just have very good skills. <laughs> punch them very with, hard. Punch them with those skills. That's what punch you them with skills. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, See, that sounds more fun. Yeah. That's not before. It sounds like you know, work very hard and be diligent. It's like, ah, uh, I like the the punching people. Yeah. Better. Show <laughs> them. Show them who you are. Use your fists. Use your fists wrapped around a pencil or something. All right. Very good. So you got to freelance at Mino Monsters. You got to make a really fun and awesome trailer. Then what happened? Oh, I got my job back at Tip Mouse. <laughs> hey, sweet. Um, so did you contact them or did they contact you? They contacted me. They said uh, that they had work at China on China. And then I got onto that show. And there was another kind of semi-flat-ish show and I also did freelance on the side with Mino Monsters because I hate myself. <laughs> it's just <laughs> constantly working. It, it was good, though. I think I learned a lot by being able to... One of the things that I think a lot of new animators have trouble with is maintaining time management. And something where you have freelance and you have an actual job really teaches you time management. <laughs> It's just, oh, I have this amount of time to get this amount of quota done at my actual job. And then I have to maintain as much as I can humanly possible do for my freelance job. And I did that for a while. I animated on several shows and then I got interested in boarding and then got, I did my uh, class with Steve on and then I got my job with Nico for storyboarding. That's been the past, that's like a summation of the past three years i think nice yeah yeah and yeah and i just want to ask we'll get into nico yeah emmy award winning show ladies and gentlemen congratulations <laughs> to titmouse that Gosh. is awesome and amazing good job shocked everybody everybody shocked everybody really yeah I, i'm surprised because the show's really good so i'm surprised that why, why was it a shock it was a shock in that we've never really won. The first Emmy that we've ever won was for design on a show called King Star King, which I cannot explain what it is. It is a show that if you look at it, you're just like, wow. <laughs> there, I don't know. I can't, I can't do justice to explaining to it. Even that was not good. But something like Nico, it was just, I don't know, it was one of those things. We've done several Amazon pilots at this point, and it's just like nothing really big. But this one won something, and it was like, what? Really? We won? We won something? <laughs> it really kind of shocked everybody. Like, we were all crazy about it. Yeah, I remember seeing online, especially on Instagram, people were like, look, we got this trailer. I know. We're so excited <laughs> and happy, and I'm like, I'm happy for you, too. <laughs> I was shocked. I was shocked, too. 
I forgot what it was up against, but it was just one of those things where it's just like, we've never won anything, so we're not going to win anything. <laughs> it's nice to be invited to a party, though. That's what they... Hey, there you go. It's like, yeah, yeah, I see you over there. Yeah, you see me in my nice shiny suit? Yeah, we're winners. That's what it was. Okay. I only saw in pictures. <laughs> but it, that's basically what I saw. And that concludes part one of today's episode. Special thanks again to Alex for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, make sure to leave a positive review in iTunes. All of your reviews help more and more people to find out about the show. And if you would like to donate to the show, you can check out the website, www.theanimatedjourney.com and click on the PayPal button on the right-hand side. Every little bit helps, and I truly appreciate everyone who has left a review, who has donated to the website, and who have contributed to our sponsors. And today's sponsors, as always, are Amazon.com, Audible.com, Loot Crate, and Blueberry Podcast Hosting. And make sure to click on the banner ads for those websites on the website for the podcast, theanimatedjourney.com. Every time you click on those banner ads and make your regularly scheduled purchases, a little bit of money comes back to the show. And that helps me with hosting costs, technical costs, all the costs associated with the show. Again, thank you to everyone who has donated, everyone who has participated, and special thanks to everybody who's been following on Twitter and Facebook and leaving such nice comments. I really appreciate it. Glad to hear what all of you have to say out there. And I'm really, really, really glad that you're enjoying the show. I really enjoy making the show. I really enjoy talking with everyone, bringing their stories to you. It is super great. And it's just something that, as you know, I mentioned in previous episodes, it was something that I wanted to do for a really long time. And all of the podcasts that I listened to, all of the mentors that I had, all of the websites that I read, even before I was in school, years and years before I even knew that I wanted to go to art school, all of them influenced me, all of them helped me to get me to where I am today on my journey as I work towards getting a full-time job in the industry. And so it's just great to be able to create something and bring it to all of you as well. And I'm really glad that you're enjoying it. I'm glad that you're getting something out of it. And just for everyone who has appeared on the show and for all of my future guests who will be on in the coming weeks and months from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. You guys are providing such a wonderful service and everyone out there really appreciates it. So just thank you. And if you would like to see what else is going on with the show, as well as what's going on in the wonderful world of animation, you can check out the Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash The Animated Journey. You can follow on Twitter at Anim Journey. You can follow on Instagram at Anim Journey. And you can check out the podcast on Tumblr at www.theanimatedjourney.tumblr.com. And if you want to see what I've been up to lately, you can check out my website, www.sketchysoul.com. You can follow me on Twitter, at SketchySoul. On Instagram, the handle is at Sketchy underscore Soul. And on Tumblr, the site is www.sketchysoul.tumblr.com. So that concludes today's episode. Tune in next week for episode 28 with the conclusion to Alex Kwan's interview. I know that all of you are gonna really enjoy it. She talks extensively about freelancing, time management, her trip to Japan, all sorts of good stuff. 
So as always, be encouraged and have a great day, everybody.